what we'd love to just kind of talk about once we kind of get going is just um, your work and and one of the things that we've kept coming back to over and over again in our episodes this season is communication as a fundamental in you know no matter what's being worked on it just seems like our <laughs> conclusion is always oh you have to learn how to talk about it oh i guess you have to learn how to talk about it that's right um but it's no small thing it's no just just talk about it and so whenever we would mention this and julia kept saying it's like ian you have to talk to ian about this <laughs> because you know it's all right <laughs> it's something that that you work in all the time oh, yeah yeah well, age helps because you have just more experience and especially as a male, you gradually learn to listen, right? In yeah. terms of communication. You know, I said to my wife, uh, Barbara, I don't know, about six months ago, I said, you know, we have a really good marriage, right? And she said, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, you know, we worked hard on that, you know, 37 years and, and, uh, and uh, she said, uh-huh. I said, so what's the one thing as a husband that I could do, right? The one thing that would take us beyond where we are in our relationship to something even more amazing. And she looked at me quietly and said, listen. And I said, listen. She said, listen. Uh, oh. So I've been working on that ever since. And I'm supposed to be the great person that, you know, does psychotherapy and family business consulting. <laughs> uh, very humbling, my dear. Oh, nothing like a wife to tell you. <laughs> That's right. Don't, and be careful what you ask for, right? So, yeah. That's a, that's, I feel like that that could be something that, you know, in that kind of, that question. So like on Sandy and my side, I think the question that we get from lots of people talking about financial planning is, you know, how do I talk to my kids about money? Or they're really struggling. How do I talk to them? Or, oh, my parents are really going through this. And I think that a really interesting answer would even be what you just said. Yeah. Listen, um, it's There's a great, the hardest uh, thing to do. There's a great book, um, which I've read part of, You'd appreciate that sitting on my shelf called The Art of Listening, which is very good. <laughs> and uh, and solid principles about that most of the time uh, people actually want um, to be heard hmm. and to be and actually to be heard and in connection and understood. Right. And. Uh, especially as us guys, there's been a lot of, certainly my age, been a lot of uh, enculturation about roles in terms of, uh, of how, what you're supposed to, what kind of, if you're a man, how, you know, what are you supposed to be able to do? Well, you know, fix things, which I'm not very good at, and, act, and action, you know, taking action in the world and, and somehow protecting and all now it's all shifting and dramatically right and i think that uh, uh especially for these different generations you're talking about you know up and down or from the top down or from right trying to have conversations about money and and the values involved in that right and staying connected 
but not, uh, it's just different with different generations too, because some people very uncomfortable, as you know, talking about money. You know, yeah. there's a, a whole bunch of things, a whole array, a list of, of uh, uh, especially in, I find in the family business field, uh, you know, in some ways, having a lot of money has not been a favor to the family, you know, because there, there's such a, can be such a sense of uh, uh, two things, I think of. One is the, you know, the, the fact that people do talk about the, the issue of entitlement, you know, hmm. right? Whether certainly in getting a well-paid job in the firm, but actually you, you're, you're not really competent in terms of either motivation or skills to carry out that work. And the other employees know that it affects, it affects the, the mood and the morale of the business and then blows back. And I don't know how many parents I've talked to and said, well, I don't know what to do about this. And, um, cause they're too far in now and the person couldn't, get a job at that same salary if they left the family business hmm. um, because it wasn't it wasn't the right start at the beginning not anybody's fault but it, the business was smaller and maybe the their uh, adult child couldn't couldn't get a job so but why don't you just come work in the business a bit and not thinking about whether the person really has the skills so there's that entitlement part. Mm -hmm. um, and then what I, I also find is that people who have inherited quite a bit of money and don't have to work, um, that uh, they have a kind of often periods of sort of malaise, not depression, but more, um, what's my purpose? And I can't get any traction. and. Uh, I feel uh, uh, like I'm just a spoiled uh, person, you know, I've never really had to work. And it just, they're nice people, but it's just not about that. It's just, they somehow they never had the chance to just find their own fiber and make it on their own, right? How do you, specifically, and it's, it's a big question and it's so dependent on people and, but I, I find that, 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 communicating between generations that's a really really difficult thing yes how do you how do you start that conversation when you're so often starting from such different places as far as just uh, how you like just your 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 fundamental kind of makeup and how you grew up and, and in what time and all of those things that come with that well i think that you know there's there's again two parts to that one is trying to do it with facilitation and without mm. So if you have a good facilitator, basically somebody can sort of be a gatekeeper in a way of uh, helping everybody to uh, take their turn, hmm. draw out the people that are not talking and to sort of modulate a bit the people who are more extroverted um, and to get the the older generation, particularly I find, uh, to listen to the other generation, the, you know, case in point, um, Chris was, uh, I 
was brought in to, uh, uh, by a financial planner into a uh, uh, business that he's done consulting for for quite a while. And I don't, I can't remember, I think there's about 13 in the, in the grandchild's generation, right? And of course the grandfather's gone, so now there's just, you know, a number of uh, the, uh, the now parents who have control of the business and, and are doing very well, nice people, everything. And uh, so what I designed was, okay, I'll work with that generation and we'll get someone else that I knew and know who's very good with younger people too. I mean, she just has that, she just knows how to get them and they, they, they like to work with her. So she went off and did her thing and I was doing mine. And then um, we, and she and I, uh, developed five questions that we thought would be good for the younger generation to work on. Okay. Yeah. So when they came back in, then they'd done all these post-its on the walls and values and everything, you know. And this is people from first year university down to 10 years old. Okay. 12 years old, 14, something like that. And um, when they came in, uh, they weren't interested in four of the five questions. That wasn't even interesting to them. That was a top-down intervention that just didn't fly. <laughs> it was really good, so she just forget it, let, let that go. And they came back in and um, they actually had some very good questions for the older generation. Hmm. So now, sort of bonded as a group, which they were close anyway, it's a good family. And, um, and they had this support of this, uh, my, my colleague who was very, very good, just excellent. And so when they were sitting around, they turned to their parents, one of them, just, they all took turns saying things spontaneously. And one of them said, well, one of the main questions we have for you as parents is, how are you going to figure out how we would ever be able to afford to buy you the value of the company out that you own? Wow. Isn't that profound? It's a really good question. <laughs> you saw <clears throat> these adults at, well, I don't know, probably ranging from 50 to in their 60s. 55 to 60 and there was there was just a moment of silence they just kind of as if they were they were uh blindsided as the, by that question and kind of stumbled around trying their best to answer it like we we, we were plan we're thinking about this we it's a real good issue but we haven't come up with any solutions and i thought uh, if nothing happened in that day except that that huh. you know what I mean yeah which it, it wasn't like it upset the parents in a, in a way in a bad way it, but it it triggered them to think about being in the shoes of the younger generation and if they want to exit and have them take over the business then they're gonna have to figure it out because the young people are not gonna figure it out yeah. not, 
they didn't feel like that was their job. <laughs> well, and it's, oh, that's, that's such an interesting thing. And it's, it, it is it kind of a re- good representation of what you were saying in the start of this, of them feeling like they're heard. You know, f- this is our question. This is when we've come together and talked about it. Like, this is our question. This is it properly formulated. And this is them hearing that. And not necessarily coming up with a, a directly with an answer that solves it, but like, hearing that question and then you can actually start a conversation where people are talking about the same thing that's right that's right mm. so that's if it's facilitated right yes now if it's not facilitated uh there's there's you know, like i mentioned you can the older generation particularly can can uh, educate themselves there's seminars there's books mm. there's uh there's online courses right there's um, podcasts like you folks are doing, right? There's there's an array of things, but what I find is that usually the everybody's busy. So to get, you know, I'll say, well, you know, if you read this book, Art of Listening, even part of it, it will really help you. All right, or um, transform. There's all these books on transforming conversation, and I use a model called the system for analyzing verbal interaction and s-a-v-i savvy yeah yeah and uh very good and i i'm a trainer for that and uh so there's a really good book with sort of the six main things that will hijack your conversation right and that if you get better in these skills you will be able to improve your communication. Hmm. And each each chapter in the book has about three great three levels uh, that you can practice with someone else of uh, um, being aware of what patterns you are strong in and what ones you're not. And so you can educate yourself. Well I've probably told you know 40, 40 people about this who were interested in how can I improve my communication and um, I'd, from my knowledge I think maybe five or six have got the book and one or two have done a couple of exercises because we're all busy right yeah you almost need a coach alongside of you to to keep you going right you know yeah it's it's really hard to start I, I it's it's one thing To me, the thing I was thinking about is that when people express that they'd like to get better at communication and how difficult it is to get from that expression to the execution, but then there's all of the things before that where communication is really important and people either think that they're communicating just fine and they don't think they need to get better at it at all or one side of things are saying we're not communicating well and the other side is saying we're communicating just fine and you're in a situation where communication is not optional whether that's you know and i it, not specifically in the family business strain but i'm sure that there's lots of um parallels but you know whether it's you know the death of a parent and kind of dealing with that or the stress around you know a breakup or a divorce where like emotions are so high communication is essential yeah and is it too late at that point? No, 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 I don't think it's too late, but it takes one person to be able to be self-reflective. Because mm. when you're talking about 
thinking that as as a, you know people we meet do they were quite opinionated and strong about that they know right that it, it's the other people it's not me yeah or the other end oh it's always me right the collapse position right that's a little harder to bring people out of the other one you know if you can form a good relationship you can you know you can actually have a really sturdy conversation and not lose each other but i think the you made a really essential point one of my mentors said well it's all good to learn all these different communication models but when the stress goes up reactivity takes over mm -hmm. so you know the, the 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 executive function the prefrontal cortex which is supposed to dampen all these uh, emotional and primitive uh, uh, reactivities kind of goes offline when the stress gets too much and then the more limbic and and, and brainstem come in and then people act as if it's a survival issue right hmm. and and that you have to have somebody has to be calm enough to listen enough to bring that amplitude down to get the prefrontal cortex back online mm. right now one of the key things i find is and, and there's some research on this is is how to how to develop that rapport it, the primary one is nonverbal, your body language and if you really i can really see it with women more than men it, all you have to do is go in a restaurant, see some women sitting around together, and how they're it, the ones that are really having seeming like they're having a great conversation. That's usually they are, in my view, and uh, they're actually in sync with the other person's body language. They'll mm -hmm. lean forward about the same time, or they'll 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 lean back, or they'll uh, they'll they'll connect with something the other person said rather than try to take the conversation tangentially somewhere else right hmm. you know so nonverbals and and being able to stay uh, self-reflective enough for just even if it's just one person it, to be able to to help be a calming influence in situations like that can really turn things around a lot as long as as long as you stay calm enough and not withdrawn but able to hear people's upset which often comes out in ways that are not pretty right attacking or blaming or you know those kind of things judgments sarcasm right what we call red zone in the savvy language and uh and and a lot of yes buts you know that uh, so and interrupting those kind of things it takes it takes mirroring the other person's reality uh, and joining with them enough and on something that they said and one thing to, to notice in that is the type of predicates people use. Like some people talk about, well, you know, when I'm, you know, I'm just feeling that, and then they express an opinion, 
right? But actually, they weren't having a feeling. They were having a felt sense about their opinion. But it isn't, it isn't an emotion. So you have to join on, on what they say uh, in terms of finding. Usually, you can find something in something that the person said. Even if you don't believe on the whole enchilada, you can, there's something you could agree with, some smaller part of it. Yes, you know, like, um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm actually upset too. Or I can understand why you'd be upset, right? That, okay. Well, I agree totally with everything. Yes. That, an example of that, I didn't, I've never really connected those two things, but a climate scientist that I know peripherally, I mean, not personally, has yeah. one of the things that she said, she feels that her her kind of area of purpose is connecting people who, who are just on opposite sides of the ideological spectrum. And yeah. she would always say that, that look, you can find some kind of common ground yeah. somewhere. And yeah. that's the entrance into actually hearing each other instead of attacking each other. Yeah. Mm. <gasps> oh, that is, thank you. Yes, it, it, it's a really, yeah, I love that. And, and specifically, you know, one of the things that, questions I get a lot because it's just on that kind of not so extreme stress level, but on the day-to-day -day still perceived high stress level of people saying, working with their partner and one side being like, you know, it's just specifically around money because that's always the area that it touches us, but it, it's the silo that, that incorporates lots of things. They say like, how do we talk about this? How we are not on the same page or they, I want to change it or I'm responsible or I feel like I'm in control, but they just do their own thing. Um, how do you even like, it's that starting. And I, and I love that as a starting tool to just to be like, you can't start if you're actually on two separate islands. You have to find the little peninsula that connects. No, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> and like start on the peninsula and then just like, Find one little thing. Yes. And, and I love your language too of being with somebody in that stress. And, and I think that the tricky balance of that always is being with somebody in their stress without taking on all absolutely, of the stress. Absolutely. And at the same time, the challenge is if you're, if you're not resonant enough with them, you're mm. not co-regulating, right? So you have to feel some of it or else you're just up here and they know it, right? So you're but not if, really you're, you're you're not really letting them affect you. But you made that that really really important point. How how do you really are you authentically with the person, and you can get a sense a felt sense of what it's like for them, which gives you the foundation to slow down a bit, right? And to be curious. Well, my mantra is replacing reactivity with curiosity towards um, mutual understanding. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I think I love the word curiosity in general. I, I think that it's such a, a lovely word and especially it's something I use in finance a lot with clients and try to remember myself because you know, the things you say to other people, you just are trying to remind yourself to, <laughs> to, to not forget them in your own life. But it's so nice to fight against all that judgment and shame that comes with everything. Exactly. Um, it's, you get this play sense, um, which, is, which is 
just a, a nicer way to start. And my background is in, is in opera. And so I always think about the practicing of opera and how little judgment helps you do a good job. <laughs> and like even something creative, it's very easy to just kind of completely shut that down with all of those tense feelings. And curiosity and play are such a useful thing in every aspect of life, but it, it's not a just. Play is something we forget how to do um, as kids. And, and, it's, and it's, it's hard to learn it again. Oh my um, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you have to, it's such an edge, I think, don't you? That um, of uh, of um, not going too far in the conversation. If somebody's, you know, how to lighten it up without. What did my mentor in family systems uh, therapy uh, say? Uh, you have to. You have to. Uh, you have to. To have to have the. The patient, the client, ha it needs to feel that you understand what it's like for them. And mm. then the issue is how do you introduce respectful doubt about the story they hold? Mm. Oh. Like, you know, well, my sister's always, you know, this way. And that is, I thought of the, because the, the thing is, you know, I've been doing psychotherapy too since, like, since 1971 and a lot of family therapy and my wife and I have gone to a lot of family therapy for years, decades. And, and, uh, and she also is, a, does her own healing work. And so with uh, clients, so it, we learn instead of, we both took a lot of training in it and I taught it for many years is, um, here we are, um, on the outside world looks and say, oh, well, these people must know, you know, they've got the skills, but actually we're only as good as the work we've done on ourselves, really, right? And everything's fine with your clients and your professional arrangements, as long as uh, you, uh, you go home and your husband or wife says something that triggers you or your children, or your parents, and then you realize that you've got feet of clay, and that yes, you're better at it, but actually, their help—they're giving you the opp opportunity uh, to be able to look at yourself and and be able to say, "I've got to have better skills here." Right? Always, I often say to couples, "Well, you know, you know." Well, you know, she's just so difficult. And I'll say, well, does she help you in other ways? <laughs> oh, I love that question. You gotta be sure that you got good rapport before you do it. <laughs> Not a question to be used lightly. <laughs> the other one, the other one is, um, is um, uh, your your best spiritual teacher is sitting with you right now because you would not let any therapist do this with you or a good friend to push you to these kind of edges, right? And he or she still wants to be with you. Mm -hmm. But what's that about? Mm -hmm. Right? 
and the other, the, but the other side mostly is, is um, you're so so right, both of you about about this sense of listening and curiosity, and you know, uh, we're I often think we're either I'm quite extroverted, so my wife is more introverted, so so you know I and you'll you you'll appreciate this as a woman especially is so I say well uh this has actually happened many many times it doesn't happen now I'm better I've learned I'm better <laughs> and I'll say Barbara you know there's this movie yes you know did you know about that oh yeah yeah I heard about it it's supposed to be very good well I was thinking we could go there and do it go Saturday night when it comes to you know Saturday morning or Friday night I say okay well let's go to the earlier show she said what show I said well the show you know the movie oh um, well, we never agreed on that and I'll say but you know I we talked about it in and you were nodding all the time about, you know, she's all, I thought all the ideas were good, but, uh, but there was never an agreement. And then I realized that I wasn't asking Barbara, Barbara, on Saturday night, would this be something you would want to do? Or is there something else that you would rather do that right? I wasn't doing that? This is something that I'm, I'm that side. I'm, I'm your wife's side in, in my relationship with my wife. It's, it's, I often find myself forgetting to ask, yeah. but as, assuming that I made things clear or assuming that I asked and very often finding myself in situations in, in the last little while to be like, you feel like this hasn't happened, but you never asked anyone about it. And yeah. so <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's responsible? Like you've never actually made your intentions clear in a real way. And it's, it's a thing to realize about yourself. I think on either side, you know, to say, okay, this feeling, not you don't have the right to feel this way if you don't ask, but you know, it probably won't change until somebody actually knows that you need something or that you want something or that something isn't right for you. Yeah. And, yeah. and for my victim is if something's not working in communication, then it's, uh, it's uh, in my communication with people then it's about me. Interesting. Because there's a, the only person that can change is me. The only mm. person, no matter whether I, I think, oh, goodness sakes, I've done everything, you know, right here or whatever terminology I, matrix I, I, the cloud I bring over myself to distance from the other person and lose the connection, you know, instead of, so that self-reflection of, you know, noticing that somehow the person seems to, you, you can feel it when people, that's the main thing, you can, yeah. we are sensing animals and we have these mirror neurons that light up in our head if we are really connected to another person. When that goes offline, there's not a connection. And science has proved that we actually feel what other people feel. And to tune into that, but and like you said earlier, uh, what 
to be able to be comfortable in yourself at the same time, or to, if you're not comfortable, to be able to handle it, mm. you know, to not have it hijack you out of the out of their your your intelligence. Your, as a good a teacher of mine said, uh, takes you out of your common sense. Mm. You know, out of yeah. common sense, and uh, so the you'd be able to sense the other person and if you've got if you can find that you can you can slow yourself down a little bit and, or just ask what didn't work here what what am i doing that isn't working here you know fall on the sword right? what a good question that is too wow <laughs> isn't it it's is so I, good <laughs> like it's 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 a straightforward question and yet somehow the the wording of it hits me in a different way than than other iterations mm -hmm. I've heard it's just like could you could you actually repeat that so I could hear that again I just I've forgotten it I'm rewording it in my head immediately well I, I think something in the area of just saying you know I get I feel like something isn't working in our conversation yeah what is it I'm doing that's contributing to that what is it that I'm, what am I doing wrong here? What, what, what am I not getting? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but somehow I'm not, I don't understand what part I'm playing in us not being able to connect around talking about the money or about the budget. What is it I'm doing wrong that doesn't work for you? What is it that I'm, what, I want to be able to work this out in a better way and I feel like I'm at a limit. I need some help. Tell me from your perspective, what is it that is, is contributing to this not working between us? Because first of all, I want it to work to get the budget done. But what's even more important, I feel like it's causing a lack of connection between the two of us. And that isn't what we got together for in the first place. We, we got together because we, we wanted to be together for the rest of our lives. And now I'm sitting here feeling like somehow I'm just screwing it up and I need some help. I love um, how this, it, there's a couple of other things that you said, but, but the thread that I've pulled through this is not, I don't think particularly mind blowing, but in any difficult conversation or difficult situation, if you go to it with the, I'm going to fix this situation, or I'm going to address the difficult thing you're doing, you're already setting yourself up for failure because you're not going to it with, I'm going to connect with that human person in yeah. front of me and genuinely do so. Yes, right. That's right. That's because without that, right? You have no crucible, no sacred container to hold, hold the differences, right? And how to... <laughs> manage the differences we do not do well with differences we we when we get too much difference we don't feel connected we feel alone and we feel like the other person's doing something to us or uh, we're going to have to manage them somehow rather than have a real conversation right so you're so right that it, but one of the important things that I got out of what you said is that actually what works is so 
simple. It really is so simple. I had a man come in, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. He'd been at it when there was a big men's movement here in Vancouver and Robert Bly and Robert I think Moore was here and other people. And he said, uh, I've managed to, to um, you know, the thing with my brother. And I said, oh yes. He said, well, I've managed to, um, to have a different conversation with him. And I said, oh, how did you do that? Well, I went to hear these, these guys. And, uh, and Moore said that he says, uh, in situations like I have with my brother, of saying, um, I am holding something that is causing our relationship to not work and I haven't been talking about it. And it's, it's me that's been holding it. And so I want to tell you what I've been holding because I don't want to hold it and cause the distance between us that my holding causes, right? And I thought it was really very beautiful because he was just talking about that he was holding something. It's so easy to forget what you're doing. I think we talk about that in finance a lot and in financial planning all the time to be like, we get sucked into the technical questions. You get sucked into all of the, the, oh, but you need this and we need to be doing this. And how could you be so foolish to do this? And that's not, it's not what we're doing. It's not what most people are doing. And, and uh, you know, I, there are many people in the world. And so I won't say that there's nobody that is specifically just kind of so technically minded that that's what they're focused on. But so many of us have just different things that we're trying to do and we forget. And we forget to focus the conversation and root the conversation in, in those things and, and to, and to remember, like you said, I, I love that, especially in a partnership, but I think in a family too. And I, I know families are different, but I could see a, a variation of that. You know, we had a conversation about, you know, how to talk to your parents um, when they're kind of entering the age to be like, how do we talk about writing wills? And how do we talk about how you want your, um, your how do you want to be cared for? And, and how difficult that is and must be because we don't have that experience and and they remember us being 13 years old and not capable of like i'm sure that my parents will never not see me as the very don't trust that guy in that situation they're right to do that but just how to how to start that conversation even when you have a really functional communication with yeah. reading parents let alone that and and i love that just to just to remember some version of just remembering what are we trying to do and yeah. and and asking and listening and and just really rooting that and trying to find a way to do that um it's when, a really good thing to think about um, when you said what do we want to do together sort of right and that's really key if you're trying to do something like this is uh if you have if you have too much difference you, in negotiation you need to go up to common values right mm. We really, what is really, what is it that everybody actually wants here, right? Mm -hmm. What what is it that, uh, what is the values that determine that? You know, that drive that. Because if you don't, if you get too much differences, then everybody's in silos, trying to raise their flag for their particular 
uh, what's really important for them, and so they should. But if they, but as it gets too different, the, the positions harden, and it's mm -hmm. harder to bridge the two people, right? Or the three people, or the two generations, or the three generations, you know? Yeah. It gets more and more complicated. It, but if people can, it's almost like, uh, you know, Argus and Sean wrote a great book on leadership. And uh, uh, still looking for my copy. And <laughs> it, it was so good. They're both psycho, psycho, psychoanalysts. And they did a lot of organizational consulting. And they, where they found that there were behavioral problems in the organizations is when the espouse theory, the espouse theory, you know, like the mission statement in an organization. Okay. Um, uh, what people say, uh, this is what the family's about. This is about what the marriage is about. Uh, this is about what parenting is. And then when the gap between the espouse theory and the theory in use gets too big, then there starts to be problems, right? Or the perception that, you know, my, my parents say this, but actually what they do is that. Hmm. Yeah. Then you you've lost some kind of unifying conversation about what everybody wants, even though there's differences about how they want to get there, or how they what they think is the way to do things, right? And so, I th the biggest thing I think is helping, you know, helping people, you know, when I'm working in the corporate or which is a little different than family business or I'm working with families in a, in a family therapy or couples or individuals in psychotherapy. It's all the same thing back to what you said at the very beginning about communication, right? And, and it's the fact that somehow the differences have got too big. And so now people uh, have to, solidify their position otherwise they'll lose it in the strength of other people's positions right and nobody is taking the time to slow it down and say i just like the, i just like to be sure i understand what you're saying and paraphrasing it do i get it right did i get it right and often like when i'm working with couples or in businesses um Getting one, one person talks and the other person wants to jump in, but it's a difference. Say, all right, so and when I'm facilitating, I can say, you know, I just like, I'd like you to hold that for a few minutes. And I'd like you to just before you respond, react, but I respond to what George said. I want to make sure that you heard what he said. So what did you hear him say? Yeah. The person said, well, I heard this. I said, okay. And you can see the person who was talking face goes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you see in George right now, his face? I don't know why he's making a face like that. Well, maybe you could ask him, uh, did you accurately hear what he, what he meant? Mm, well, okay. So ask. No, no, you didn't. No, that's not what I meant. So now you got to start, right? Because you've respect, you've introduced respectful doubt 
about the person's perception. Oh, I love that. Yeah, without shaming anybody, without making anybody wrong, or one down and one up, or me mm -hmm. up and them down, right? You know, so then you start to be an ally alongside the people to help them get to the goals that they actually all want anyway, which is fundamentally is to feel safe. Yeah. To feel safe in, in connection with other people. And money is like huge in terms of people feeling safe. Yeah. Really incredible. You know, I was, uh, into, I never had to work again from when I was 29. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was just a three person business that I would, my parents had, and my dad died at 20. I built up the business. I made a lot of money. By the time I was 29, I could retire. <laughs> so then I went off studying, taking degrees, doing all sorts of things. In 82, I crashed in Dallas, and almost became bankrupt. And I went down from, I'm 80, 180. 80 pounds and I, 175 and I went down to 124 and all sorts of stuff, a divorce, everything. And, you know, as terrible as that was, and when you tell the story, actually, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I had too much security in the fact that I had the money, even though the money was an outcome of doing what I loved. It wasn't like I was counting the pennies that was all the way. The goal wasn't this, right? And um, so I'm not not independently wealthy in the same way at all now. And, you know, anytime, and you particularly would appreciate this, anytime I talk to my wife and I say, you know, I hadn't screwed up in Dallas and bought that 110 suites. You know, we'd just be clipping coupons now. Which I'd still do what I'm doing, but, you know, I probably wouldn't work as hard. And uh, Barbara looks at me and she says, and we would never have met. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I'm not getting any sympathy. <laughs> there is, there oh, is none. Look, <laughs> look, that's so good. That is Wonderful. <laughs> that is wonderful. She's instinctively going, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sandy Martin. I'm an advice-only financial planner at springplans.ca. And I tend to work with older single ladies and people who are retiring. That's really... That's really my thing, and you can find me on Twitter a lot. I'm Chris Enns. I'm an advice-only financial planner at ragstoreasonable.com. If you like pictures about money and metaphors that sometimes apply to finances and sometimes are just way out, you can check out my stuff at www.ragstoreasonable.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we have more of them on becausemoney.ca. And you can also talk to us. We like talking. We like real conversations. And we have them in Slack sometimes for people who are our patrons. And if you want more people to talk to and more people to listen to our episode, because we do, and not just this episode, all of the episodes, you could leave us a review on iTunes. And we would love you so much. And also, 
Well, no, that's it. That's all. But thank you anyway. 